0: There is a story that the old timers around Princeton, New Jersey absolutely love to tell. It's a story about the day in the early 1940s when a fashionable New York society matron drove down to Princeton in her touring car. She pulled up to the entrance of the Princeton Inn, which was in those days the most fashionable hotel in town. She stepped out of her car, reached into her purse, fished around, and pulled out a quarter. She pressed it into the hand of a little man at the door of the hotel, take my luggage in immediately, and breezed regally into the lobby. Uh, Leaving the little man at the door of the hotel, who just happened to be Albert Einstein on his way to the lab, (laughs) looking quizzically at the quarter in his hand. According to the story, he eventually shrugged his shoulders and took her luggage into the lobby. It was just a case of mistaken identity, misjudged appearances. She took one look at the little fellow and assumed he was the bellhop rather than the greatest scientist of our time. You know, I have discovered over the years that preachers also commit cases of misjudged appearance and mistaken identity almost every time we enter into the pulpit. It's the mistaken identity and misjudged appearance of the biblical story. We know what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to get down into the DNA of these ancient texts to wrestle with them until they bless us, and then to stand up here and tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us, God, about what they say. But we're busy. The ministry is filled with pressure and hectic schedules. It gets late in the week, and in a kind of panic, we take one careless look at these old stories and say, oh, yeah, I know who you are. We tip them a quarter, take my sermon into the church. I passionately argue in my classes with my students that they should never do this. Imagine my embarrassment. To discover that this is precisely the way, I have misjudged this old fishing story in the Gospel of Luke. I've known this story all my life. In fact, over-familiarity may be part of the problem. I even memorized this old story in Bible school. I had the Matthew version in the King James Bible. Uh, Follow me, said Jesus, and I will make you fishers of men. I always assumed that this was a story about evangelism, about going out into the broad world and casting the nets for Christ and pulling the believers in, of throwing out the hook and line and fishing for Jesus. But if you look at this story, I mean really look at it, Long before this is a story about going out anywhere, it's a story about going down deep. Long before this is a story about breadth, it's a story about depth. You can tell that in all kinds of ways. You can tell it in the way that the story begins. Do you remember? Jesus is teaching and preaching beside the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Gennesaret, and Luke says... The people were pressing in to hear the word of God. <laughs> that sounds so good. Uh, I mean, you can almost hear the television evangelists. Oh, brothers and sisters, would it today people would press in to hear the word of God? Not in Luke. In the Gospel of Luke, whenever anybody says, I want to hear the word of God, it's a pretty good sign they don't know what they're talking about. That they're standing heedlessly over a cavern of unfathomable depth. For example, the man in Luke who runs up to Jesus, You are the most prophetic voice I have ever heard. I will follow you anywhere. To which Jesus says, I don't think you know what you're talking about. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests. The gospel has made me homeless. I don't have anywhere to put my head. Or the other time in Luke, when right in the middle of one of Jesus' sermons, I mean, right in the middle of one of Jesus' sermons, a woman stands up and she says, Oh, isn't this the most precious thing you have ever heard? Oh, blessed is the womb that bore you, blessed are the breasts that nourished you. In other words, isn't that a sweet little preacher? I bet his mama's really proud of him. To which Jesus says, I don't think you know what you're talking about. I'll tell you who's blessed. Those who hear these words and do them. It's about depth. You can also tell it's about depth by the way that the story ends. The way the story ends is the disciples who were fishermen left their nets and boats and followed him. Now this is not a midlife crisis, guys getting on motorcycles and going to California. This is a Galilean fishing village. And every day they wait on the boats to come home. There are no public schools. The women don't have professions. There is no social security, young and old, male and female, they wait on the fishing boats to come home and they left their boats and followed him. this is a call so urgent and deep it is worth the sacrifice and transformation of the whole community about death but you can really tell it in the middle of the story Jesus has finished preaching and teaching and he turns to the fisherman in the boat and says let out your nets for a catch Peter says (laughs) Uh, Sir, uh, I don't mean to be rude, but there are no fish out here. We're professional fishermen. We've been fishing all night. We haven't caught a darn thing. To which Jesus says, Well, maybe you didn't put out your nets deep enough. Long before this is a story about going out anywhere, this is a story about going down deep which means that it is a wonderful story for this week of Jesus' passion. When we see so clearly the depths of what God has offered, the depths of God's love and grace, because the main heresy in America today is not atheism. It's superficiality. You can walk across the river of American religious life, most of it, and not even get your ankles wet. I love the story that they tell about the old preacher George Buttrick, preacher of a previous generation. He had been speaking somewhere and was flying back to New York, and on the airplane he had a pad out, and he was making some notes for Sunday's sermon. The man next to him, couldn't contain his curiosity, he finally interrupted Dr. Buttrick and said, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. I know you're working very hard, but I'm just as curious as I can be. What are you working on? Buttrick said, oh, I'm a minister. I'm working on my sermon for Sunday. Oh, yeah, uh, religion, said the guy. "Uh, You know, I don't really like to get all caught up in the ins and outs and complexities of religion. I like to keep it simple Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's my religion. I see, said Buttrick. And what about you? What do you do? I'm a professor at the university. I teach astronomy. Oh, yeah, said Buttrick, astronomy. I don't like to get all caught up in the ins and outs and complexities of astronomy. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. That's my (laughs) astronomy. The story is a summons away from the superficiality to a faith that has some depth. I got a call from one of my rabbi friends not long ago who said, Tom, we need to have lunch. I've got a Christian problem. I said, a Christian problem? What are you talking about? He said, I'll tell you at lunch. I went to lunch expecting to talk about Mel Gibson, but (laughs) what he wanted to talk about was that an avant-garde group in his synagogue had established an interfaith dialogue session with the Christian church down the street. So that's impressive. He said, well, I'm not very impressed. I said, what do you mean? Don't you believe in interfaith dialogue? He said, of course I believe in interfaith dialogue. But I went to the first meeting and there wasn't enough faith to enter. The Jews did not know Torah and the Christians did not know the gospel. At the buffet table, he said, one of the Christians said to me, don't be nervous, Rabbi, we're not going to talk about Jesus tonight. And I turned to her, he said, and told her, you are required to talk about Jesus tonight. It is the center of your faith. You're required to talk about Jesus. He looked at me and said, somebody's got to stick up for Jesus in this town. I guess it's going to be me. (laughs) He said, we're not having any more interfaith dialogue until the Jews know their faith and the Christians know their faith. And another rabbi said, why don't you let your nets down deep? And it's not, of course, just about intellectual depth. Jesus wants us to let our nets down deep because that's where the human heart is. That's where human pain is. And that's where the gospel is. I was talking with a friend of mine on the telephone. He's a seminary professor in the Midwest. We were planning a meeting, and we were discussing details, and then we just kept on talking. That's talking about our lives. He and his wife have a teenage son who is bipolar, and they have been unable to keep the boy on his medication. And he said, Tom, we are terribly frightened for him and for us. He talked about it a long time. I looked at my watch and I said, gosh, you know, I've kept you on the phone over an hour. I'm, I'm so sorry. He said, no, no, I, I needed to talk. And, and anyway, you've kept me from going to chapel. I teased him a little. I said, Mike, you're a seminary professor. You ought to go to chapel. He said, I know. My office is next door to the chapel. I can hear them in there now singing. I've got joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Tom, today... I need a deeper word. Well, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we've got a deeper word. We don't have a Lord who gave us motivational speeches. We have a Lord who went all the way to the wood for us. God loves us so much. God did not spare even God's own son to give us life. Ash Wednesday. some of you got a cross put on your foreheads. A friend of mine who's a hospital chaplain went to an Ash Wednesday service and had a cross and ashes and oil put on his forehead. Then he went back to the hospital and started making rounds. He said he went into the room of one patient whom he calls a kind of smiley face Christian. She's always saying, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. When he went in the room, she said, oh, praise the Lord, the chaplain's come. Then as he walked over toward her bed, she said, you have some dirt on your forehead. And she reached for a Kleenex to wipe it off. He said, no, no. I've been to an Ash Wednesday service. This is a cross in ashes and oil. She said, why did you do that? He thought for a minute and then he said, this is a sign that God loves me even when life goes to hell. She reached up and touched his forehead and took some of the ashes. I think I need some of that, she said. Don't we all? Don't we all? And Jesus said, let your nets down D."